welcome everybody to the one to go show it is puka once again joined by the rhino and the burke layman well we've got a lot going on tonight we've got the uh, silver Dotto nationals from i-80 we've got a little bit on the world of outlaw sprint cars we got a little bit on the hell tour uh what else we got uh, southern nationals we got a little bit of everything but 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 we're gonna start tonight with the announcer brian aho as he's uh, been and put on the miles on the fast lane super stock series so ryan uh, good to see you tonight uh, we'll start with you i got the face for radio i got the <laughs> see we the podcasts are a lot better for me i got a face for radio but i tell you the super stocks were absolutely lights out the racing was awesome this weekend um, I, I got the liberty, I guess, of being able to be the, the voice of the Northland Superstock Series. Got to head up over to the Grand Rapids Speedway, who finally got to open up the Donlinger Ford Grand Rapids Speedway Thursday. I went up to the Gondekloss Speedway in Superior, Wisconsin on Friday. And then I went to the ABC Raceway in Ashland, Wisconsin on Saturday. And, you know, just really quick on, on everything that went on, you know, Friday night, Man, I mean, it was a long show. Honestly, hats off to the Grand Rapids Speedway. Guys, two weeks ago, literally the night that they, there was a big debacle there was track was too soft, they took a five-foot pry bar. I'm talking like five foot. I've seen people go out on the racetrack with a screwdriver to see how deep the moisture is. Five-foot pry bar all the way into the racetrack. That's how soft it was, right? So they worked their tails off at the Grand Rapids Speedway to get the track to where it could be racy and it took a while. The heat races were just a train wreck. It took a while to blow off, but the super stock feature did not disappoint. It was unbelievable. In fact, Kevin Burdick came from the fourth row to win and drove away from the field. Super stocks, I mean, we're talking high contact, one caution right away at the beginning, 30 laps. I mean, they went all the way through, had a good car count there. So great racing. Went to the Gondic Law Speedway. First thing I noticed, I pull in. And they had the fair, Douglas County Fair. And I'm like, man, I, I'm kind of surprised they're having a fair. Like, I thought everything was canceled because of COVID. Well, I think everybody else thought it was canceled, too, because there was nobody there. In fact, the fair was so empty. It was so empty that the night before, four of the vendors, including the mini donuts stand, went home. I, I, got, I was pissed. I was pissed. I wanted mini donuts, right? Not that I need mini donuts, but I need mini donuts. If you, I mean, you guys know what I'm saying, right? I was mad. I'm like, where's the mini donut stand? They're like, they went home. I'm like, what do you mean they went home? Are you kidding me? Guys, Friday night, 5 o'clock, there was nobody there. Nobody. It was empty. I'm like, Bad. unbelievable. Bad. Yeah. And, but the racing was good. You know, and, uh, Shane Sabraski, I mean, he just absolutely dominated that race. And Dave Flynn, he looked really good in 29F and broke a set of gears. He was second in the points, broke a set of gears. He pulled off and you know, there was a hot Carl was in attendance, of course, at Grand Rapids. Good run for hot Carl. He got 11th, I believe, Thursday night at Grand Rapids. Friday night, you may have to watch Facebook for this, but he forgot to scale in the B-Main. He didn't qualify anyway, but he forgot to scale. And then Keith Kern, a buddy of mine, he got fifth, had a heck of a run. He forgot to scale. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Right? How do you forget? 25 years of racing, I never forgot to scale in my entire life. I don't get it. So then the next night was at ABC Raceway up in Ashland. And the weather looked terrible. I mean, I looked at the radar. I mean, it said, like, I mean, it was supposed to be torrential downpours, huge storms. Well, the big lake pushed everything literally maybe five miles south of the racetrack. I mean, you can sit there and look, and it was a lightning storm to the south, right? And, it, I mean, we got one sprinkle. That's all we got at the ABC Raceway. Um, Tim Johnson, who was third in the standings, he said, ah, there's no way they're going to race. He goes, I'm going to head back to Brainerd. I'm not going to waste the gas money. So that Ooh. knocked him completely out of the points deal. Um, Shane Sabraski won, guys, by over 10 seconds. I mean, he literally over ha about a half a track just put a thumping on him. So great racing action right now going into the season finale. Sabraski, I think basically he's got to make the feature, and he wins the championship. Kevin Burdick's in second. Nick Oreskovich is in third. But it's been, it's been some really good racing. This Saturday, we're heading down to the Big O. We're going to Ogilvy Raceway for the season finale. And we have a little bit of a challenge on the table. Dirt Race Central throwing some money at Shane Sabraski. And they're offering up. And we got people donating extra money. We're starting to get some money coming in. And they're going to give them, offer them a bonus if he can win from last. So that's going to be interesting. And I tell you, Opening night down there, he got together with a guy, and he got put to the back. 
And at the end of the race, he was inside the guy for the lead. And I think he got put to the back with about 15 to go. Here he's got a full 30. So if there's enough money on the line, he might take it. But I was excited to be part of that. And, and uh, did you guys get a chance to watch any of that super stock action? I, I did not. No, I didn't. Yeah, I was chasing racing myself. So um, <laughs> is that it for you, Ryan? Turn it over to Bert. Yeah, you know, I guess just a couple quick shout-outs. The guy, Matt Narragon, you know, he had a second and a third in the series. He looked really good. Um, didn't do quite – actually, he did pretty good in Ashland. He started, like, 19th and got ninth. So, he, he looked pretty fast. Tristan Labarge, tough weekend for him. He had a couple DNFs in there – or one DNF. He didn't even get to go on Saturday because he got really tore up in Ashland. But he got second up at uh, the Grand Rapids Speedway. But, yeah, that that's enough. I could talk about that series all day long. But – I know that you don't want to do that, so I'm going to turn it back to you. <laughs> All right, Bert, uh, you were at your the friendly confines of Shano Speedway over the weekend? Yep, they had a two-night special, I mean, called the Midsummer Classic. Uh, even though it's called a two-day special, it was two complete shows, uh, you know, one complete show each night, and uh, 20 late models there on Friday night, which was – good showing i was hoping for a few more travelers from the plymouth area but uh there were three plymouth cars there uh paul parker made his first appearance at shano speedway so that was good to see um but and then the next night there were 16 late models but plymouth was racing saturday night so uh it when the schedule if i not if i'm not mistaken when the schedules were first put together uh, Plymouth was not racing on Saturday night, but with this whole COVID deal this year, schedules are changing on a weekly basis. So, I mean, that's understandable. Uh, but Nick Avalink, uh, uh I don't know if he went to the casino after the races, but uh, he it was a draw-redraw, and he drew the front row for both features and uh, walked away with both features. I mean, it wasn't even a contest. Um, so... The racing was really good behind him, though. I mean, there were there's multiple grooves and and everything. Uh, Justin Ritchie, who we've talked about on the show before, he made the trip to Shano on Friday, and he finished fourth in the feature. And uh, Brett Swedberg, who we also talked about, um, he finished tenth on Friday. Didn't do that great, but on Saturday, um, he was uh, involved in an incident in his heat race. Their contact with him in another car. And the track called the caution on him, and they have a one caution rule at Shano, so he was done for his heat race. And uh, so he had to start in the back of the feature, um, but he went from 16th to 4th on Saturday night, no no cautions during the race. So he had a really good run despite despite the uh, incident in the heat race. And one of his pit crew members posted a video of the incident then afterwards, and yeah, it was probably the wrong call. <laughs> um, but but that's unfortunately that's racing when you have when you when you have those types of rules i mean we've talked about the world of outlaw rules where you know if you come to if you don't come to a complete stop then you get your spot back and you know so there's pros and cons for all of those rules uh but one thing i was surprised and a happy surprise uh saturday afternoon i was doing some work in the afternoon and i got a text message from the promoter at shano and he said, rumor has it, John Canta's on his way to Shano. Uh, apparently, uh, Canta's son had uh, contacted them. And sure enough, John Canta was in the house on uh, a Saturday night. Uh, he drew the front row for his heat race. Uh, and then he started third in the feature and finished fifth in the feature. Um, so I don't know if any of Canta's family or crew members watch this podcast. But if they do, thank you for making the trip out east. Uh, it's always fun to watch uh, new cars race at the track. Um, it was increased pay for all the divisions. I won't go run down for everything. Uh, I just want to make a few comments. Uh, Friday night, uh, the IMSA stock car feature was probably one of the best features. I sent you guys the link. I don't know if you watched the, watched the last few laps. But anyway, it was run by, won by Jared, Jared Seifert, who, is, who actually races a late model. Uh, and he was driving that thing like a late model. <laughs> he was driving it up on, there was a cushion, and he he had that thing up on the cushion sideways in the corners. Normally, you don't see the, the IMSA stock cars get that sideways, but uh, he made it work, and he won. Uh, it was nice to see. There was a few Iowa, drive, Iowa stock car drivers made the trip there. Uh, I'm going to, I don't know if I'll get the last name right. Elijah 
Zevin Bergen. He's from Iowa, but he won the, the stock car portion of the Dakota Dakota Tour. He was at Shano for Friday night. So uh, that was cool to see him race. Uh, one thing I got to make a comment about these Iowa stock car drivers, when they say that IMCA racing in Iowa is, is really big, I mean, when you have stock car drivers show up at the racetrack with uh, stacker trailers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know that <laughs> they they take their racing seriously. Um, so, and I just want to uh, make another point uh, that I'm saying stock car driver who accumulated the most points over the two nights uh, gets a provisional at the Duel in the Desert race. Uh, I, I think that's in November. Uh, so, just some. Uh, uh, Jeremy Christians from Deep Beaver Dam, uh, he's uh, one who had the most points over two nights. I don't know if he plans on going to the Duel at the Desert, but this might uh, be a little bit of an incentive to uh, get him to the Duel at the Desert. So uh, all in all, it was two good nights of racing on multiple grooves. Uh, the street stocks were also there. Normally they don't race at Shano, but they were there on Friday night only, and they were racing three, four wide. It, it, it was it was pretty it was really fun to watch i mean all the divisions and like i said behind nick avalink it was fun to watch too <laughs> where was justin ritchie on saturday uh he was at plymouth that's where he normally races and, he, and how did he do um i saw the lineup on saturday night he, he was starting dead last so he must have had something happen in his heat race but i looked at the results and he made it into the top five so okay i mean considering starting dead last to get into the top five that's really good so well he better uh, if he wants to stay in power rankings he better <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so yeah i mean the three drivers that uh we've talked about uh you know they had they had some pretty good runs so like i said overall great great two nights of racing awesome all right well what Puka, where were you yeah well i'm one thing on richie though i mean he had a shot to win at shano i'm surprised he left what do you mean he had a chance to win at Shot? Well, well, I mean, I mean, he's, he's you know, he's, he's a contender. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he's paid there, I'm kind of surprised that he would leave. You run I a Dirt he... Kings, you run the Dirt King schedule where the competition's stiff, and then you got, you know, a night where there's only 16 cars for increased money, and he takes off. I mean, it just... Well, no, I, I think, I think uh, his car owner and him are going for track point for the mm -hmm. championship at Plymouth. Okay, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So. So, yeah, so I, like I said, I, I invaded Hibbing again uh, this weekend, and we've been talking about track conditions and watering the track and, you know, the summer nationals we've been talking about. We had a summer nationals track at Hibbing on Saturday. Now, that wasn't really due to the staff at Hibbing. We had a lot of rain come through in the morning, 4, 5, 6 a.m. in the morning. You know, I quite frankly, I wouldn't, I wasn't, wouldn't have doubted if they were going to rain out. And, Ryan, as you know, no track, I think, in North America rains out more because the pits are too wet. You know, the pits are too, remember, they, they literally have to pack the pits, I think, right? Don't they, Ryan, in Hibbing? Because, I mean, there's many of us have joked that the clay in the pits is better than the clay on the track because Hibbing used to be a half mile and they got some great clay and then they moved into a three-eighths mile. So the clay on the outside and the pits are on the back stretch. For those of you that haven't been there, uh, it's really good clay. I mean, you walk out of the, you walk on the track after it rains, you got nothing on your feet. You go through the pits, you got 15 pounds of clay on each foot, right, Ryan? I mean, you have, you have, that, to, that's a trailer. Fact. You have to try to, a trailer, you know, to kind of, to get it off of you but um anyway so just one comment i had one observation for both of you as i was watching one of the heat races i looked into the pits and i saw a woman pushing a stroller and then later in the night in the middle of the track i saw a woman holding a little girl's hand walking her to a porta potty so i was kind of surprised i remember back in the day ryan remember no kids in the pits don't drive in the pits after evidently rules and insurance has changed well, there, there hasn't ever really been rules on the insurance. It's just like most people, their their kids went to grandstands. As I was racing, my daughter went in the pits with me pretty much always. Okay. Because when she showed up to the track with me, I didn't really have anybody to watch her. So she hung out in the pits. And, and you know, back in the day, I mean, there was no women in the pits. I mean, it was white pants in the pits. There was no right, kids right. in the pits. <laughs> and I think half the people were drunk in the pits, right? You know, so I mean, so it's a, it's changed quite a bit, but... I mean, you see a lot of them now, you know, people, that's the only way they're going to go. They're like, hey, if I got to go to the racetrack and my wife and kid got to sit up in the grandstands by themselves, I just don't even want to go. You know, they want to make it a family deal. And, you know, you see a lot more of that right now, for sure. Okay. okay. So so that was just a kind of an observation. Uh, but like I said, racing was good, especially once the sun went down, track widened out. There was a lot of moisture there. One question for you guys. Do we really need 
six classes of cars to to be entertained. I I just I mean and and I don't and, I don't think that's enough. <laughs> and then Princeton on Friday, I saw on the 2020 page, nine classes of cars. So promoters, you know, I don't know, you know, I, I you know, if, if, if the I'm going to touch on that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, turn I'm going to touch on that. So it's 2020, right? It's 2020. Yeah. yeah right. The time of curfew. Everybody wants a blue ribbon. Everybody does. They don't want to work for nothing. They, everybody wants to be the winner. Everybody wants a pat on the back. So, so, yeah, I think we need to have about 12 classes. Why? Because then more people can leave at the end of the night feeling good about themselves, right? Isn't that the kind of the world we live in right now? You know, we don't want to crown three or four winners. We want everybody to have a chance to win. That's kind of the world we live in, right? So there, there is that. I think that might be part of it. I've heard, I've heard promoters say that, well, you know, if we have more classes, yeah, we don't have as many cars, you know, but we don't. I actually heard a promoter, I'm not going to mention his name, he said, this is, um, this is the honest to God's truth. The comment that I got from him this week, okay, this is a series promoter. He goes, I don't want my series to get too big. He goes, I would rather maybe <laughs> add another class because if, the series, if, if we have too many cars in that class, well, then some people aren't going to make the feature. And if they don't make the feature, they might not want to play anymore. Yeah. No. What? Yeah. Right. What? I mean – I, I just shake my head, right? And that's, but that's, everybody looks at things differently. Everybody looks at things. I look at it and I'm like, I used to love showing up at the racetrack and there was like a hundred cars in my class. I loved it because if I won, I won. Like I won, right? And if I showed up to the track and there's 16 cars, yeah, a win's a win. But I'm here to tell you that winning when there's 50 cars, is a whole lot different than winning when there's 14. I'm sorry. So that, to me, that just makes no sense. But I've heard people say that, right? Now, on the flip side of things, do I think there needs to be that many classes? God, no. No, definitely not. I mean, I think we need to get back. But it, it's a challenge to the tracks. Because you take, you take Princeton, for example. You mentioned Princeton's going to have nine classes. Well, if they were to drop, say three of those classes, the people that raced in the classes that they dropped are more than likely just going to find somewhere else to go, right? They're, it's not like they're going to add them. So if they drop classes in an area, all the tracks in that area have to drop them classes because you take our area, you got Rapids Thursday, Superior, Hibbing, Proctor, when Proctor opens back up. Well, let's say, for example, they drop Midwest Mods, any of the four tracks that's not going to be a big deal to a Midwest mod guy because they'll just not race that night and they'll go to the other three tracks. So in order for that to work, all the area tracks have to work together and decide, hey, what are we going to do? Guys, I was in ABC Raceway on Saturday. Four pier stops. Four. What? Four. Four pier stops. And, the, and they did say, hey, we're, we're going to think long and hard about it this summer because they had pier stops, six cylinders, and Hornets, which – to me, it's three entry-level classes. So they're, they're going to be in heavy discussions up at the ABC Raceway to decide, do we need three? I don't think so. I think they just get rid of two of the three and have one good opening you know, support class, in my opinion. But to answer your question, no, we do not need six, seven, eight, nine classes. Best invitational out there by far in our area, Silver 1000, Mods and Lights. Great program, two classes. Everyone so, loves it. Yeah, what's your thoughts on that, Bert? I'm gonna turn it to you, man. What, what's what's well, your I thoughts just, on that? Well, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, that is that's too many classes. I think five classes during a race program is more than plenty. Um, and I mean, when we're talking about the number of classes, that's part of the problem is that promoters and racing organizations are allowing all these classes to exist in the first place. You just mentioned three entry-level classes that people can race in at one track. Um, you don't need three entry-level classes, but that's part of the problem is they introduce an entry-level class because it's like, this is going to get more racers involved and they're, they're going to be building cars and you know it's going to be cheap. You're not going to have to spend a lot of money. But the problem is, you know how racers are. Once you start racing, you're going to spend whatever money you have to spend to win. 
So then what, what do you do? You create another entry level class that's cheap to get more racers in. But once the racers get in, then they start spending money because they want to win. So you, you just, in my opinion, you just have to pick classes and those are the classes that you're going you're gonna to stick with. I mean, for, for example, several years ago, they introduced the truck class at one of the tracks. And, you know, the reasoning was it's going to be cheap. Uh, trucks are unique. You know, you don't see those racing everywhere. But on the flip side, you need to get people to actually build these trucks. There's no used trucks to buy. And, you know, so they had a class of two trucks. And it lasted, I don't, I don't think it lasted more than one year. So to me, you just, you pick your divisions that you're going to race and you just stick with those. And, you know, if you want to race, you have to race in those divisions. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. So, all right, well, let's turn the page and head down south to the Southern Nationals. Uh, which, Ryan, do you want to start with that? Okay, I do have one question about Hibbing. Oh, okay. I, I heard Massengill had some issues in the heat race, but he was bolted in the feature. Yeah, what started happened? dead. Started dead last, and uh, first he come out for the feature. You know, so it's 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 getting dark, and we look and we're like, hey, his brake pads are red already. What what's going on? And there's something new out there, Bert. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's lights. They got lights now. They put in the wheels, so he had red lights in all four. So the kid, so he's like the kid's favorite now. So Jeff, keep it up, keep those <laughs> lights bulbs. But you know, that's what you're used to seeing, right? You see red in the tire. It's like he just got on the track. What's you know he's Brakes are sticking, you know, or something like that. But I can't exactly re remember what happened to him in the heat race, but he was fast in the feature. We had a couple of cautions. Every class had a couple of cautions. The one thing I noticed to it, him the other night, the track was bad fast. Car counts weren't super good, but there, was, there wasn't a lapped car in a feature. Uh, you know, they just, they, 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 got, they got strung out enough, but, and even on a small track like that, there was, well, I should, I left after the, we did what they did midwest mods supers mods late so then i left after that but um but yeah no lap no lap cars so that that was interesting lap traffic was not a factor uh, but there were quite a few cautions guys were were racing hard like I said on that tack and uh i like like you said that provenzino said when do we ever have a cushion we don't know how to race them there were people trying to run the cushion they didn't know how to and, uh, hey, Bob Broking's good on the cushion, though, ain't he? Didn't he drive Bob away Broking the was good. He was fast. Yes, he was. He's he was, a he's he a master. He yeah. likes. Oh yeah, yeah. Ball. He was. I think I don't even know if he was breaking. I think he might have just lifted for a second. He'd come in and he just drove it up and he'd float up and then he would just woof down the straightaway. So I talked. Yeah, I talked to Bob Puka and he said Johnny. He goes, I got lucky. He goes, Johnny should have beat me, but uh, he drove over a tire on the bottom, rolled his nose piece underneath. Okay. So then he, he fell back to fifth, and, and then he had to kind of change the way he was driving. He goes, but if he goes, if the kid wouldn't have screwed up, he should have won that race. He goes, but I'll take it. He was fast, and we wondered what happened because none of us saw that. And it was right after our restarts with it. Did he get into the back of somebody on that restart? So okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it was dragging. It looked like it just his whole package just wasn't the same after that. So, um, but yeah, like I said, pretty good night of racing. Pretty pretty happy. Uh, but like I said, hipping. Let's let's cut down on the classes. So. Um, so yeah, so let's turn it over to the Southern Nationals. Bert, did you get to watch any of those races, and uh, did you see who got crowned champion? Uh, I well, I watched the feature um, from Saturday night and uh, saw Shepard uh, ride the cushion like he normally does. And uh, well, Southern Nationals, Southern Nationals. Oh, Southern Nationals. Sorry, sorry, I didn't see any of the races, but I know uh, um, Overton won the series. And uh, he won six of the races, and Madden won four of the races. And uh, I was looking on Dirt on Dirt, and they have a breakdown of the winnings for all the drivers that raced in the series. And uh, Overton made $51,659, and Madden made four, $44,006. <laughs> and then I think the next driver was at, like, $14,000. Well, um, so, I mean – Definitely, those two drivers took the majority of the money. Yeah, I was doing some research over the weekend, and, and I'm glad you came up with some of those numbers on, on the earnings because, you know, you noticed that Madden dropped out of the World of Outlaws like right before the Southern Nationals started, right? Then he hooked up with that team. Well, I was doing a little research and took a look. Madden won 
in 18 races, just 36 grand when he was with the World of Outlaw Late Models. So, you know, he was getting obviously like right around two grand a night. And then he puts together two weeks, doesn't travel to Arizona, doesn't travel to East Bay, you know, doesn't have to travel up here. I mean, he quit by then, but you know, you get the point. Didn't have to do a lot of travel and makes more money in two weeks than he did over the last, what, four or five months, Ryan. So here's the deal. I want you to understand that he didn't earn that much money in the world of outlaws. So I believe right around 700 of that every night was guaranteed extra toll money for being in the top 10, 12, or whatever in points. So that was so his actual earnings were not very good at all. I mean, like yeah. he was he was terrible in the world of outlaws this year. So so I think it was a good decision for number one for him to get out of that Bloomquist car. Number two to get in the rocket. Because I was starting to doubt, like, what is wrong with this guy? And he looks like a race car driver again. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, you could tell. I'm sure that was in the back of his mind. Kind of like Shirley. Like we said with Shirley. You know, he announced he's going to run the Lucas. And he's, he's putting around in the back. And it's kind of like it was just easy to just say, you know what? I can, go to my, I can sleep in my bed a few nights a week. I can go home. I can win a few races. And it looks like he made the right decision. And I saw, I saw on YouTube, Puka, that he's got a hell of a fan club down there. I mean, good interaction with the crowd, right? Yeah. Bert, do you want to fill the audience in on a little bit of what happened down there? Yeah, I, I found it on Facebook. Uh, I can't remember what race, but uh, uh, he got into, he got into Ross Bales and spun him out. I mean, let's just not beat around the bush. I mean, uh, Madden said that he, it wasn't intentional and, you know, that uh, Bales was racing would dropped down low and Madden would go up high in the corner and uh, Madden got his nose underneath the rear of uh, Bales and Bales spun Madden kept going but anyway in the race interview a fan must have said something must have been a Bales fan or something said something to him and then uh, Madden said said something and then go back to the trailer park or something like that. (laughs) Ryan you saw that didn't you? I did see that I'm like don't be dissing the trailer park. That's half the fan base at the racetrack. You gotta, you gotta know who your crowd is here. So better be careful with that. Yeah, that was interesting. What do you guys think? I mean, good for the sport. I mean, you know that 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 kind of gives you the grassroots part. But um, I, I don't know. I, I, I what mean, do you I'm think? Kind of, you start. What do you think? Well, I, I mean, I'm glad Madden stuck up for himself because we just don't need that now. If if the guy was just kind of heckling him, not a big deal. If the guy was a blundering drunk in doing it, eh. and if he was swearing, then no, you know. But if he would just say, "Man, boo, that was horrible, that was bush league," he say something like that. Okay, you know, I don't care. But like I said, if he was swearing and there were kids there, or if he was just because he was so blasted drunk, then I don't think we need it. How about you guys? Bert, uh, um, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, if it's all you know, tongue in cheek, you know, then you know, I don't have a problem with it. Like Puka said, if there's swearing going on and there's kids, um, then it's a bigger issue. Uh, I can remember actually Tim McCready stopped an interview one time when a fan was swearing and and set, told the fan to stop swearing because there's kids around. Yeah. Um, so when when you get to that point, yeah, uh, you know that's going too far. Uh, but if it if it's just like in a joking manner, you know. Um, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, everybody loves when Bluequist gets out of his car and, you know, they're waiting to see what he says. And is it, well, I think it was at Cedar Lake. Wasn't it at Cedar Lake where he said, aren't you guys glad that you all saw the ass whooping that I just put on or something like that? And, you know, when it's louder and he said, oh, you all love me. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, to a certain extent, to a certain point, I think it's actually good for the sport. It creates rivalries. It, it creates a little bit of controversy. Uh, but there is a point where it does go too far. All right, Ryan. I know you're chomping at the bit on this one. I, I am chomping. It's you probably been heckled. It's necessary. It, like Racing can't survive without it. It simply cannot, right? Swearing, yeah, people look at you differently when you're costing. I get it. But what was the most popular thing you heard all winter long? We ain't here to F around, right? (laughs) That was the number one most popular thing, and it literally put him on the map, right? He made made t-shirts. Tyler Tyler Carpenter, right? (laughs) So we ain't here to F around. Boom. And half the crowd was like, yeah, they're all cheering because he swore, right? 
But here's the deal. That you, you as, as, as a promoter, on the promoter side, you want people to either be like passionately, like they're all about like cheering for you or, and maybe more so passionately about like, I absolutely hate that guy and I want anybody else on planet earth to win. And in that interaction with the crowd and all that, it's like WWE wrestling. You have to have it. It's just necessary. You need it. In fact, we need more of it, right? We need to have that interaction because I've seen, I've been booed, I've been cheered, and I've seen some great drivers be booed and cheered and hollered at and stuff. I've had stuff thrown at me at the racetrack, and I remember when I beat Moss for the national championship, his sister, you know, she might have lived in a trailer park, I'm not really sure, but uh, she, threw, <laughs> she threw a beer bottle at me over the fence because she was pissed off because I took the national championship, right? So, I mean, <clears throat> let, let's face it, that's just part of it, but it's necessary. Because without it, racing can be awfully boring. So I thought it was great. Well, I remember Jeff Gordon. I saw an interview with him once. This was early 2000s. And he said, well, Dale Earnhardt told me once, he said, Jeff, when they stop booing, start worrying. <laughs> so there's a lot of truth to what you're saying there. Yeah. How would NASCAR be if you didn't have all them redneck race car NASCAR fans hating on Kyle Busch? Well, right, right. Now, how many people hated Jeff Gordon? You know, right. I would love to hate Jeff Gordon in the 90s. You know, for so, different well, reasons, of course, for different reasons. <laughs> I mean, as I've said before, I was on MJ McBride's pit crew and at Toronto Speedway, even though that was his home track, his hometown, um, half the fans d booed him like crazy because he won so many championships in a short amount of time. Uh, but I think he, he said about that, at least they know I'm here. <laughs> I have literally never seen anybody boo anybody locally more then Scott Dan Zeeson got booed at Alexandria. Puka, you remember that name? Five X. Smart guy. Good guy. Yeah, phenomenal race car driver. Won a pile of championships. And I'm telling you, man, like when they announced him at like the Mod Nationals, the place would go crazy just booing him, and they hated him. And he's actually a pretty quiet, nice guy. His brother was kind of a little bit boisterous, but they hated him. And I gained a couple sponsors because I played right into that. He was racing a super. And, and I should try to get this video from Krauss because I know he's got it. And if I have it, I'll, I'll insert it when I do the editing here. But I was actually at the Viking Speedway in a super, and I started dead last because I got a flat. And I chased down. I got into six, and there was a yellow, and they stopped everybody on the front straightaway. Dan Zeeson's leading. Now, I knew the whole crowd hated him. I knew that, right? So when the red flag came out, the, the yellow, red, or whatever, and I pulled up next to him, and I pointed at him. I revved it up, and I went like this. Like, I'm reeling me in. The whole place erupted. I mean, the whole crowd was on their feet cheering. And when we went to green, I got next to him for the lead, and he kind of pinched me down to the bottom. I bent the tie rod. He won. I got second. But, guys, I'm not kidding you. I, I had only raced there maybe once ever before that, and I know I had at least, at least 150 people, if not more, come down to my trailer in a big group after that saying that was awesome you got to come back here and I got Dairy Queen to sponsor me and a couple other folks to sponsor me because of that they said every time you come to town you come down to beat him and we're going to throw tires at you and whatever so wow. that's how that that's a big deal you got to have it for sure wow awesome all right guys well let's keep trucking here and head out west to Nebraska here for the 10th annual Silver Dollar Nationals the Kaskis gets you 20 grand more into the purse Looked like the grandstands were packed. The uh, uh, camping area was packed. So looks like it was a su successful weekend. They raced Wednesday, did a complete show. They raced Thursday, they raced a complete show. Friday, double heat, Saturday features. Uh, I don't know what storylines stood out. Bert, maybe we'll start with you. Storylines, just kind of what you what you were following, what your thoughts were on uh, this year's version. Uh, I mean, when I watched it, uh, you know, Brandon Shepard just, I mean, he stands out as, the driver above everybody else right now i mean yeah <laughs> he is the superman this year <laughs> um i mean he was running that cushion and i mean he i mean that cushion was right by the wall and actually late in the race he almost hit the wall but i actually i don't know how he avoided hitting the wall uh but one of the storylines to me is uh ricky thornton jr another second place i mean this guy has proven that he can race a late model uh, you know, it's like, you know, when does he get a full-time ride in a late model? 
even if you want a full-time ride. I don't know if you want a full-time ride in a late model. When I talked to him at 141 Speedway and we were talking about him racing a modified, he told me he enjoys racing a modified because he gets to keep all the earnings where, you know, racing a late model, he's racing for somebody else. So he doesn't, you know, he gets a portion. Or I, I don't know what the contracts are, but I'm assuming he gets a portion of that. Uh, but I mean, he's definitely proven that he can hang with the, with the stars in the national late model scene. And even Kyle Strickler, I mean, he finished 13th. I mean, those two mod guys are, are proven that they can race with, with, yeah, the two mod guys <laughs> are proving that they can race with the, with the, on the national scene in the late model division. So those were the two, uh, two main storylines that come to my mind. Ryan, go ahead. All three of us were right. Like we, when we picked this, we said B chef. I mean, whether we can all argue on like, well, who's got better talent, the world of outlaws or Lucas oil, right? Well, here was a crown jewel, two World of Outlaw guys, one Lucas Oil guy in the top five, right? So if you think about it, none of them got anything for Brandon Shepard right now. I mean, he's the like he's here and everybody else is here. Even Owens, who's got a huge lead in Lucas Oil, he's he's a step down from Shepard. So Brandon Shepard was absolutely dominant. Um, of course, Thornton was great. And, you know, just great racing overall. And it's, it's fun to get one of them crown jewels out of the way. Glad that we had one. A little bit of mod racing. But I'll get your thoughts on the late model, and I'll just touch on what I noticed in the mod stuff. Yeah, well, he said, yeah, you know, we got that all right with, with uh, B-Ship. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, I'm kind of hoping that Cedar Lake has the same kind of success because that will be the next crown jewel as far as car counts. I mean, because you, you had, like, Jake Tim show up. You had the Scott show up. Like I said, Thornton was there. Terry Phillips. Uh, Strickler wasn't surprised. You know, he's been hitting all the, you know, the big events. Uh, of course, Boomer won that heat race, had some people excited. Bab was back in a Bloomquist car I saw. And, yeah, four different leaders. I mean, Owens, Herb, Simpson, and B-Chef. And how about Simpson? Was it, is, it, is it Larry Moore? Who owns that number one car, Bert? Do you know? Maureen. Moore, Larry Moore. Yeah, Larry Moore. Yeah, so, you know, Lad Lats, you know, he was right up there. One, one, one of these heat races because they do double heats. So what happens, fans, in the double heats is you, 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 you time trial, you run your heat, and then they basically, if you get first in your heat, you're going to start your second heat last. You know, they invert you, and then they accumulate points through all the heats and goals. So, yeah, that, those are some of the observations there. Track, like I said, track looked great, crowd looked great, camping looked great. Go ahead, Rick. Another thing is I was kind of hating a little bit on Ricky Weiss a few weeks back. Like, he was struggling. And uh, I believe the last three races, a third, a third, and a fifth at a crown jewel. So, you know, a little bit of little bit of shout out from the one to go crew, and all of a sudden he turns it around. He's fast again. So, Ricky, feel free. We'll send you the address. We get our cut. But uh, good job, Ricky Weiss, uh, representing Wazota Country well over the last couple of weeks here. Yeah, and, and 14th to fifth for him. Now that was, like I said, that was the big thing for me. I wanted to see what Bloomquist and Ricky could do in those cars, even Ferguson. Ferguson's another guy that showed up, so that was kind of a surprise. I wasn't sure if he was... Yeah, he got ninth. Yeah, I got ninth, so, you know, they, you know, obviously, like Ryan, you've said, it's kind of, you know, I don't I don't want to say it was a disastrous weekend, although I think it sounds like it's been a disaster down there in Mooresville, Tennessee, or Mooresburg, Tennessee, but um, you know, I wanted to see without that Drupal what they could really do, but it looks like the Rockets, Herb, like I said, Owens, Bishop, even Josh Richards, who a guy I said to fade, I believe at a top 10 finish, didn't he, Bert? Yeah, he finished sixth. Okay, yeah, so he was even up there. So um, how about the mods, Ryan? What kind of action did you see there? Well, Jake Tim. Jake Tim was down there. He had some car issues, so he wasn't able to race the late model there on that Saturday. But he had a legitimate shot to win the mod race, the USMTS race on Saturday night. And uh, we talked a little bit ago about Shirley moving out of his line and uh, Derek Ramirez kind of suckered him off the top. And we all know Jake Tim. He's a poor man's Bobby Pierce. He likes banging the top, right? He's a charger. Well, he pulled him down off the top. And what did what did Ramirez do? Went right to where he was and drove right by him. So, like, ah. But uh, a really good run all in all. Jake Tim is going to be one hell of a race car driver. Yeah, and one comment I also wanted to make on this show. So 53000 to win. Could this end up being the highest paying race of the year? You know, because we had the stream, the dream, which is normally 100,000. You know, that was a month ago, it was 50,000. Cedar Lake's going 50. North South 100 weekend after is 50. The weekend after that will be the topless at 40. Now, I believe Dirt Track World Championship, didn't they raise that to 100,000 last year, Bert? I don't know. I don't remember. I think they raised it to 100,000. So with COVID, 
you know, is that race going to take place? You know, the, the world finals, they're not actually real great paying race. I think they're 12,000 per night. So this might end up being the jewel of the crown jewels. Of course, the world 100, we talked, what did one of you say last week? They were, I can't remember if it was on the show or during the test that they they stopped. It was after the show. Uh, one of my friends who has, uh, who gets tickets every year, uh, he said that they stopped selling tickets and that's what they did for the Crown Royal before that got, well, they say postponed, but I mean, it is what it is. It's canceled. Um, so, I mean, I go to the world every year and I haven't requested vacation time yet because I don't think it's going to happen, at least not with fans in attendance. Right. And that's right around that, isn't it around <laughs> that slow 50,000? Well, it would be above 50000 because they add 1000 every year. And ah. it started at $4,000 in 1974, and then they've been adding $1,000 every year. Okay, so, so that might be might surpass it. Of course, the real deal this year at the World 100 is not the racing, remember. It's the foot spot. <laughs> and we'll talk <laughs> about that when we get closer to that weekend. <laughs> Any final comments on uh, the Silver Dollar National? All right. Nope. Okay, Ryan, do you want to uh, touch on the World of Outlaws sprint cars just a little bit? Well, you know, okay, <laughs> one of our expert analysts there, Keith, he, uh, he's been begging me, you got to watch sprint cars, you got to watch sprint cars, and, and I watched sprint cars this week, Tuesday night, guys, at Lernerville, oh my God, that had to be literally one of the best races, best finishes I saw between Shots, Kyle Larson, and Sweet, Shots actually took the lead, it was unbelievable, that race, and uh, I mean, just battling for the lead, swapping spots. Kyle Larson come from pretty deep to get second. But, I mean, that was that was one for the record books. That That's going to be probably in our – at the end of the year, when we do our top ten, that, that has to be a top ten race of the year. Right now, I don't know if there's a race that was better than that. And we talked about one maybe a month and a half ago. That was a sprint car race up at Park Jefferson that was an absolute thriller. So, I'm telling you, it's been crazy – and then a little bit on the points deal, remember Brad Sweet broke three nights in a row, gave up a 114-point lead. Bam, Shots gets the lead. He extends the lead after winning there. But now Shots on the last race, he broke. He broke. So, bam, Brad Sweet's got the point lead back. Logan Schuhart's in second. Shots is in third. And I believe there is 26 points. Yep, 26 points separating the top three in the world of outlaw sprint cars. Guys, this is, this is kind of – Coming together now, Schuhart, don't sleep on him. Sweet one last year. Shots has obviously been the man for a number of years, but Logan Schuhart, don't sleep on this guy. I mean, it, it's very, very possible that he could take the lead, and I am absolutely excited to see how this works its way out. And it's staying close. And I wish there's neither one of the national late model series has had a point battle like this, so it's fun to see something this close. Yeah, yeah, the world, the late models are just the opposite. You got Owens, he's he's in a whole other planet, and B Shep's off on his, his own planet. So, all right, the Hell Tour. Uh, speaking of points, uh, Bert, uh, they uh, well, we have a new leader. Let's put it that way. Well, I mean, uh, Shirley has uh, firmly planted himself at a top of the standings on the Hell Tour, um, and with uh, Bobby Pierce dropping off the tour to race this past weekend. Um, how did he do, Pierce? By the way, uh, he finished back a ways. He had some issues, I believe, in the I feature. Even, yeah, even Thursday's race, he was he was never really in contention on, on that individual show there. So, and I'm surprised should, some of these guys. Stayed. I'm sorry. <laughs> he should have stayed on the Hell Tour. Well, yeah. I mean, that's you know. But then, yeah. Well, yeah. He, but he won it last year. You know. So I right. think that's what they're. You know, they 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 wanted to go back and try and and repeat, but. Um, yeah, he was he was never really in the conversation all weekend. And I'm so yeah, I mean, these guys didn't race on Wednesday. You know, they had that the Melbourne Bank Series, which you can race in aluminum motor just to kind of get some laps. But it was pretty much just the regulars won by Tyler Bruning, who does race in the the uh, Lucas Series. But of course, he's a he's a past point champion of the Melbourne Bank Series, so he jumped back in. I guess he's won like the last six times he's raced in that series at I eighty. He's won like six in a row down there. Go ahead, Bert. I was just going to say, uh, you know, behind Shirley, uh, Frank Heckenes Jr. is in second in points, and I believe uh, Jason Figger is in third. But, I mean, Shirley's got a – he's got a comfortable lead, but 
we said that a few weeks ago about Brad Sweet, too. So I guess you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> Shirley's looked good. I mean, last night he started in the third row, and uh, Dennis Herb Jr. started on the pole, and he won. And actually, Brian Shirley caught him, got in the second, got next to him, and then he, you know, he tried to move up a lane because it was kind of a bottom-type deal. But he had the faster car, so Brian Shirley's really looked good the last the last couple weeks here in this series. So I know they got a couple races this week, and I think they're taking like 10 or 12 days off. They're skipping the USA Nationals week so that they get a little bit of a break in the action here. And I think it's the rescheduled race at LaSalle is coming up next. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's move away from last week. Let's move up to next week on kind of what's going on here and one event that I'm really looking forward and hoping to hit. The Twin Forts Twin 25s coming up this Friday night at the Gonic Lost Speedway in Spear, Wisconsin. $5,040 possible to win for the Wazota Late Models. Plus, we're racing USRA Late Models, Supers Hornets. Going to be uh, live on race. Racer XR, is that what it is? Racer XR, Ryan? Yeah, it's it's XR is who's doing that one. Okay. Yep. And then you know, so I just want to just, uh, do a quick shout out and thank you to Jonathan and Troy Powers. They put this thing together. They volunteer a lot of time, get sponsors. Uh, as a matter of fact, I should maybe repeat it. It's the Amsoil Twin Ports 25s. And Ryan, one thing we were, we've talked about earlier in the year when they kind of announced this show was that USRA late model car count. They don't race USRA late models around here. Um, any predictions on what we might see? I think they're going to have a good count. I do. I, I, there's several guys from Mississippi Thunder, Cedar Lake, them areas that are, they've been talking about this race. Um, so the powers have done a great job. I think Troy said mostly Jonathan has kind of taken over the promoting side of this deal. So he's done a good job reaching out to those drivers, promoting that side. I believe it's a thousand to win for the USRA late models. I know that Joe Provenzino is making the trip. Oh, yes. Okay. So we're going to get Joe Pravo, Dan Gullickson, who, there you go. You got your Joe Pravo garb in the back. No, you know, the 89 ride. No now, Dan Gullickson, who he had a little bit of a love-hate relationship with at the Masters, he's also heading up there. And I'm guessing you're going to see, uh, oh, man, the name's escaping me, but he's won about everything at Mississippi Thunder. You oh, probably... yeah, yeah, yeah. The other, yeah, the other tough car. Yeah, I know who you're talking the, about. The other guy. We're going to get in trouble for this one. We should know this, but... They're going to have a good field of cars up there. I think they're going to travel well. I'm excited for that. And, you know, I'm excited. I mean, they got a couple things happening there. Now, you notice it's five. It's 5,040 possible to win. But you know what it is to win each feature, right? Like 1,500? 2020, baby. 2020? Oh, okay. Troy Powers, the 2020 page, right? So it's <laughs> And it's the year 2020, so it's 2020 to win each. I, I believe, I believe, I could be wrong, but I'm about 99% positive. And I think the other thousand is if you win both, you get a bonus. I think that's how it's working out. But uh, yeah, there's there's several people looking to make the trip. It's always a great show. They got that new equipment coming in to fill up the track, you know. So hopefully that's going to work out well. So you know, and, and if you think about it, this is the first time all year, three nights of racing in a row for late models up north between Grand Rapids, the Twin Twenty Fives at at Gondic Law, and then Hibben. So about wow. time they actually get to race. Yeah. Yeah, and for those of you race fans that don't know the format, what they do is they count the Twin 25s because you, you get there, you draw, you run your heat, just a complete Wazota program, you run the first feature. Then they take the leader on the front stretch, and they have some Frisbees out there, and I think the invert starts at about 6. I think they're about 6 through about 12, and he'll pick a number. So if he picks, for instance, 7th, you know, then he's starting 7th, 2nd place is starting 6th, 3rd place is starting fourth and so on and so forth so they invert the field i don't exactly know the invert numbers and then they race a another 25 lap feature and each feature the goal is to be really well paying so it's not real top heavy the breakdown's really nice and then uh, you know a guy can you know a guy might be able to get you know 10th in both features and maybe walk out of there with a thousand 1200 1500 like i said i don't have the numbers in front of me but traditionally guys have been real happy when they've left the twin 25s especially this time of year when equipment well in a normal year, equipment's starting to get beat up, things get a little bit worn out, and uh, you can leave it with a pretty good paycheck and get uh, get caught up on the bills. <laughs> so yeah, it definitely helps. It's a it's a good show for sure. Yeah. Well, then, like I said, Thursday they'll be in Rapids. Friday they'll be in Superior. Saturday then they're going to move to the Mater 55 Ryan. Yeah, they got Hibbing too. So Hibbing did not drop late models, and I talked to several of the Hibbing drivers. The only one that I know of that's actually going down to Rice Lake is Jeffrey Massengill. 
And he ran well down there. He got third or fourth when he went down there last time. So he ran really well. Derek says, hey, my crew chief's a parts guy in Hibbing, so I'm going to be in Hibbing. Now, if the weather works out, you'll see a bunch of them guys go down. But uh, a couple interesting things. So the Mater 55, of course, in memory of Dwayne Mater, one of the, you know, just a great guy, great late model driver, 55-55 to win, right? And I talked to Chad Mater. Now, this is something you guys did not know. During the World of Outlaws series, that, that deal that came up north, he had an open motor in. Ah. So he was running Tim Eisenberg's motor. So so he's got a good relationship with him. I said, obviously, you drove him differently than you drove Moss, right? And uh, so he got an engine from Tim Eisenberg. He still doesn't have a Wasoda engine. So Chad Mater is going to drive Tim Eisenberg's personal car, his Wasoda car, with, with his tribute body on the side of that. So that's what's going to happen there. So he still doesn't have an engine. He had some engine trouble with the with the valve train. But uh, that's that's going to be a great race. He's excited. He said he's had a lot of success over there at Rice Lake Speedway. Of course, Buzzy Adams is going to be able to race a big one at his home track. And, you know, I, I don't know who my pick is. Pat Doerr won earlier there this year. But, guys, Chad Mater looked really good. He came from a little bit deep. He got second. And uh, I'm just going to go out there. And as good as he looked against the World of Outlaws and stuff, I'm going to say Chad Mater is my pick to win that deal. Yeah, Bert, do you have a pick? Uh, well, I'm not sure where Jimmy Mars is going. It seems like I pick Jimmy Mars all the time. But uh, but if I'm not mistaken, Mars is the only driver to ever win this race. He's won it. He's won every Mater Memorial race so far run. Oh, has he in Menominee? Yeah. Okay. I, I might be wrong, but I thought I, I thought I heard that somewhere. I think this is a fourth annual, so we'll have to do a little research on that. We'll have to check that out. You, you're probably right. I mean, Jimmy at Menominee is tough to beat, for sure. But, you know, he's tough to beat everywhere. Right Lake's an equalizer, though. They really haven't had late models for quite a while, so everybody's coming in. They don't run there a lot, so it could be different. Well, I'll go with Don Shaw. I'll pick uh, I'll pick kind of a, a dark horse. You know, I don't know if Dar Don Shaw's ever even raced a late model in Rice Lake, but um, that's a guy that, you know, and who knows if he'll even be there. But, you know, when Don Shaw gets hot, he's tough to beat too. So we'll see what happens there. All right, also a huge week for the B-Mods coming up, Ryan. Yeah, you know, I tell you, you know, obviously it's no no surprise late models are running for big money. But the B-Mods, they got the K-Town Clash this Friday night, live on Dirt Race Central, by the way. But that's going to be Friday night, 12K. That was his number. So young, he was young in his 20s, tragically passed away um, less than a year ago. I think it was during the off-season that, that he passed away. But it's 12K to win for B-Mods. Bring your own rule type deal. Uh, actually, I, that's Cedar Lake. I think it's USRA rules at Mississippi Thunder. But uh, that's going to be a heck of a show. They, they said they're going to have a ton of cars for that. And, you know, 12000 to win for B-Mods. That's crazy. Now, the next night, remember, it's the month of money at the Cedar Lake Speedway. This week on the card is B-Mods. That's the one where it's bring your own rules. With Soda, IMCA, USRA, whatever you normally run, you run your rules package. But that's 5000 to win for them on Saturday night. Awesome. All right, race fans, uh, we're moving into the last lap segment where we have one to go. Uh, Ryan, there was a little bit of movement on the racing media front uh, this past week. Well, it didn't happen this last week. This happened a while ago. But, yeah, um, Flow Racing acquired um, Speed Sport, or not, Speed Shift, and they do some of the stuff at Cedar Lake. So that, that actually wasn't this week. That, that's been a little while since that happened. But uh, Dirt Race Central is still – in the area, the biggest media, and some of these smaller ones are starting to get acquired. So we'll see. We'll see if there's more movement there. Yeah, tell them to. Uh, yeah, just uh, get the get the numbers up. Get the numbers up as fast as you can. Run a special. Get the numbers up. <laughs> All right, Bert, uh, you've got a big race coming out to your area, or a fundraising race, I should say. Yeah, uh, at Shano Speedway uh, this Saturday is going to be the tenth annual Racing for a Reason. Uh, this, uh, the promoter at Shano Speedway, Brad Lipke, um, this would have been, well, a little over 10 years ago, probably his son was diagnosed with cancer. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's been healthy for the last several years, which is all good. And actually Brad posted today that, uh, his son went in for his annual cancer checkup and all the counts came back good and everything is going going really well but anyway uh brad and his wife Lori started this uh to raise money uh 
you know, for local childhood cancer groups. And uh, this is a 10th year through the first nine years, uh, more than $136,000 has been raised. Uh, what it is, is at the races, um, well, prior to the, the night, uh, people, companies, they donate uh, 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 baskets for raffles, other items, uh, silent auction items. Uh, every year I donate a die, I create a die cast of a local race car driver and I donate that to racing for a reason. And uh, so this is, uh, this is the f first that anybody is seeing this except for Brad. So uh, right here is my Ooh. donation for nice. this year, 2019 Nick Avalink Ch Channel Speedway Championship car. And uh, I just have to clear coat it yet. It's not completely done. Um, so, I mean, it, it's a good, it's a good fundraiser. Um, in some ways, uh, the racing is secondary on this night and, and, you know, people trying to, to, uh, you know, bid on things and win stuff. It takes, takes a uh, center stage, you know, the money's going for a good cause. So, uh, that's where I'll be Saturday night. And, uh, that, that'll be my last local race until the big race at Cedar Lake. <laughs> Hi, and this reminds me of you put a lot of time into what's an American Cancer Society. You used to you used to uh, pedal around and raise a lot of money for them back at the Proctor Speedway. Yeah, we started one at Proctor. It was uh, the Relay for Life, Douglas County Relay for Life. We we put that together. We had a, a American Cancer Society fundraiser race at the Proctor Speedway, and it was pretty cool because kind of the same deal ton of people donating stuff and what we did is we matched up a driver in every class with a ticket holder and, and then we had a, a list of finishing positions and wherever your driver finished you got that corresponding prize and we had everything from world finals tickets to uh, I think we had Vikings tickets and hotel stays and money and all, there was all kinds of stuff but man a lot of people came together and we were I think the most we raised was just over ten thousand dollars in a year for that deal so that was pretty cool. Oh, really cool. Very nice. Very nice. Both of you. Congrats. That's uh, that's really great. All right, Ryan, you've been giving us uh, updates many uh, last few weeks in a row here for the Step is Streak Stuff series. What happened over the week uh, out there? Well, like I mentioned, they had, remember, uh, Johnny Carter was leading, and I said, man, I, I really think that Eric Riley, because they throw out shows, is going to take over the lead. Of course, he won again this weekend. Eric Riley is now on top of the standings in that Step is Streak Stock tour, and what's neat about it is they got two races left. They got a week off here. They got two races left out in North Dakota to seal the deal. And, you know, you've watched a lot of guys win races, late models, modified, super stocks, all this. But these guys are genuinely jacked up. I mean, when they win a race, I mean, they are, they're through the roof. They're on top of their car. They're excited. And there's something a lot about watching some of these so-called lower classes win races compared to, you know, like I interviewed Shane Sebraski this weekend, and it's like, you know, he's so used to winning that it's like, not that he's not excited, but he certainly doesn't show it, right? But when you see some of these younger guys, people that haven't won as much, when they win it and it's a big deal to them, to me, that's really fun to see. And speaking of street stock stuff, I'll just touch on this right here. You know, a, a kid by the name of um, Jack Caranda. I got his name, yeah. Jack Caranda. I want to make sure I got that right. But Jack Caranda, he actually 15 years old in a street stock. He's not following that series but he got his first career feature win, I-94, Friday night, backed it up Saturday night with his second career feature win and uh, beat um, a, a guy that's a pretty good runner over there. So he held off Ryan Satter, who's won a bunch of races. So that street stock stuff has been pretty exciting, and I'm, I'm looking forward to see how this all works out. So hats off to all the – and then guys all get along, which is really weird. That many racers, it's like it's really cool how they get along. They put together something pretty cool out there. Right, Bert, you traveled the world with, you know, Eldora, everywhere else, crisscrossing the country with late model racing. Did you ever see Tim hit race? No, not in person. Uh, actually, one, one of the first uh, national late model races, it might have been a Have a Tampa race, uh, that when cable, when racing was first started to come on cable, when I was at my parents' house and they had the big satellite dish in the backyard where you had to physically change satellites that you viewed, but uh, he won a race that uh, I watched on a saddle through the satellite back then. Yeah, and Tim Hint was the first Rocket House car 
uh, driver and yeah, he passed away here this past week and kind of a surprise to everybody, Ryan. It sounds like he was he still heavily involved. Um, sounds like he was very close to Mark Richards. Brandon Shepard, of course, gave his condolences. So it sounds like he was still a big part of that Rocket family. So it's not like he had the house car and then he just has a race and he kind of went off on his own. Like he was still involved there, you know, so that was kind of a tough, you know, so it was pretty cool, probably pretty special for Brandon Shepard to win that big race, um, probably in, in tribute to him. So pretty cool deal. Yeah. All right. And then uh, our last item here on the last lap segment, I've been saying for weeks, it's the, the, the Ryan Aho and the Ryan Aho celebrating a big birthday on Friday. <laughs> so we didn't want to miss it, but we just wanted to say happy birthday on Friday. Ryan, you got any big plans or are you going to be on the road to uh, Ogilvy? Ogilvy on Saturday. I'm going to go to Ogilvy on Saturday for sure. And we got some pretty cool things. We get to do auto car and introduction and stuff for the Super Stock Series finale. But uh, one thing I want to touch on too, I, I, I forgot to mention this earlier when we were talking about the Southern Nationals down there. Did you guys see, I, I got this from our other expert analysis, our expert analyst, Jeff. Okay. So he gave me this. He goes, did you see the name of the guy that won that last race? Dakota Knuckles, right? So I'm like, man, if that's not like hillbilly name, I don't know what is, right? So like Dakota Knuckles, I, I said, but you can go one step further on hillbilly, right? We've been watching a lot of races online. We've got dirt on dirt. If you guys have dirt on dirt, you got to jump on. And we hear a lot of people complaining about our tracks up north. Oh, it's too rough, it's too marbly, it's too this. I want you guys to go on and watch the Southern All-Stars race from this past weekend on Dirt on Dirt. There, there was a couple back-to-back -back races. I think it was at Thunder Hill. First of all, the track was an absolute debacle. Like, if our guys up north saw that track, they would have been like, man, our tracks are great. I mean, it could be one lane. It was better than that. I mean, it was like driving through a plowed field. I mean, it was the worst thing I've ever seen. And I swear to God that, that the announcer, I mean, there's like going redneck, and then there's like going redneck. And like, you've got to listen to it. It's like, it's absolutely crazy. So when people come up to like our tracks and stuff like that, I mean, I don't even know what they think because it's like a circus down there. It's crazy. So Dirt on Dirt, Southern All-Stars, you got to check it out. It is absolutely the most insane thing you've ever seen. So I, I, I got a good chuckle out of that. It's probably the same announcer that, because while we were still in quarantine, this would have been back in April or May, uh, I was watching a race live on Dirt on Dirt, and I think it was a Southern All-Stars race. Uh, Dale McDowell won. But anyway, at the start of the feature, you know how the announcers say, everybody get on your feet and whatnot. And so this guy, the announcer goes, get on your feet and shake the baby. And then he realized what he said is that don't shake the baby. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it's good stuff. Like, you, you got to – like, I, I, I like listening to that stuff because I'm dabbling with announcing a little bit. And I like listening to that. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I could never do that. That, that That's just, I'm like, there's no way. I mean, this guy, I don't think, he didn't sound like he knew anything about anybody. But he was, like, just completely obnoxious and, like, ADHD on steroids or he's on crack. Or, I don't really know. But, I mean, it was, like, way off the deep end. And then the racing was just atrocious. I mean, it was I mean, there were, the, the straightaways were rough. And not just the corners, the straightaways were rough. And it was all all marbles. It was just horrendous racing. But uh, I just chuckled because it's like, you know, that's that's the Southern All-Stars. That's on Dirt on Dirt. It's like, yeah, I think I'll stick with – I think I'll stick with our tracks for sure. Yeah, yeah. Make the call for Donlinger and uh, Ford, Grand Rapids Speedway, and get them up here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we get him and Mike Fleischer together. That might not be a good combination. Them two are both nuts, so I don't know. All right, fellas. Anything else? Where are you guys going this weekend? I'm gonna go to I'm gonna be at Ogilvy on Saturday. Um, where are you guys going this week? Well, like I will be going, I'll be going to Shano Speedway on Saturday. Right now that's the only thing I have planned. Um and then like I said, I mean we're only less than two weeks away from the USA Nationals, so that kind of saving up for that weekend. <laughs> yeah, USA Nationals start a week from Thursday this week. Uh, yeah, I'm going to, like I said, Thursday night, my plan is to be in Grand Rapids. Uh, Friday night, head down to Gonaclaw for the Twin 25s, and then uh, Saturday night, Hibbing. So this might be, because I think two weeks ago was my intention to do, 
Yeah, no, last week was my intention to do, when was it, two weeks ago? I was going to do, I said, I mean, yeah, two weeks ago, I was going to do the multi nights, but I didn't make it to Grand Rapids that night. So this will be my first week, hopefully, weather permitting, you know, I'll be able to do three nights of racing in a row. And then uh, that'll get me ready for Cedar Lake. We'll have to do three nights of racing in a so row. So we, we, we made our picks for the Mater race, right? I, I have Chad Mater. Bert has Jimmy Mars. Puka, who did you have? I took Shaw. You had Don Shaw. How about the Twin 25s? We ain't going to pick both segments, but who's going to – who would be the guy that you – who's your pick for either winning or just overall winning the Twin 25s? Go ahead, Bert. Um, I'm going to butcher the name. Budislavich. Yeah. Budi, yeah. You got it. You got it. I, 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 uh, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I interviewed him a couple years ago, and he's a great interview. Great interview. Uh, and then uh, he raced last year at the USA Nationals during an ask or well, open portion, whatever, the local portion. Uh, so I went and introduced myself to him after the races, and super nice guy. So I'm going to go with him. <laughs> yeah, good, good, good pick. I'm a little bit torn between Daryl Nelson and Pat Doerr, but, you know, that rocket is a rocket ship this year. So I'll go with Pat Doerr to win maybe one of the features. How about you, Ryan? Well, you just – I can't pick the same as you. You just wrecked it. I was going <laughs> to pick Pat Doerr, but now, now I'm not going to do that, <clears throat> okay? So I am going to go with Jeffrey Massengill. He's been running good, guys. He's been – He's been solidly up in the top five a ton of nights. He hasn't quite got over the top second, I think, was his best show of the year, and he came from deep to do it. So I'm going to go ahead, and I'm going to pick Jeffrey Massengill to shock the world and win at least one of the Twin 25s. All right. I think he's won one of those one year. I think just a couple of years ago. I think he won one of the, one of the Twin 25 shows. So, All right, fellas. Well, uh, great show. So, yeah, race fans, uh, like I said, there's plenty going on this week and hope to – catch you somewhere it's one of the races like i said let's knock on wood uh, right now the forecast looks pretty good at least up here in the northland and like i said good luck to you ryan and uh down there in ogilvy good luck to you bert uh hope you guys you know can raise a lot of money out there for a good cause and uh, once again like i said thank you everyone for joining us get out there and be your dream you're tuned to the one to go show <laughs> Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.